Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I think there continue to be huge challenges of institutional culture within the police department. We certainly see examples of people in the department raising concerns and making misconduct reports. And I think that is enormously encouraging. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is Chicago's Deputy Inspector General for Public Safety. Deborah Witzberg, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. You are a former assistant Cook County State's Attorney. You served as the Community Justice Center, focusing on cases of great concern in the Harrison and Near West Districts. You developed crime prevention programs in partnership with schools and senior citizen groups. You've been with the Inspector General's Office since 2016. You were Chief Investigator for the Public Safety Section. And before that, way before that, you have a bachelor's degree in anthropology from Brown University and then a law degree from my alma mater, Northwestern. What a combo. How did that happen? Indeed. <laughs> oh, wind, a winding road. Yeah, that's a, that's a combination you don't often see, anthropology and law. <laughs> that makes that's you true. some kind of renaissance person, huh? If only that were the case. You, the job of Inspector General for Public Safety was created in October 2016 at the same time that the City Council abolished the Independent Police Review Authority and replaced it with COPA. You're charged with auditing police practices, identifying trends that are troubling, and recommending changes to the police contract, and basically bird dogging the whole multi layered accountability system. How is it going and what are the troubling trends that you're seeing? I think the question of how it's going is, of course, a complicated one. There are many challenges facing the police reform and the police accountability effort here in Chicago. But I am proud of the work we're doing and I think we are making some real contributions. And I remain hopeful that, that we as a city are moving forward with police reform. What do you see as the big challenges? I think I think there's an enormous deficit in trust and confidence in the police department, both among members of Chicago's communities and among frontline members of the department. We are really mindful of how problematic that is in both directions. And so much of our work is geared toward thinking about how to improve and strengthen both internal facing and external credibility and legitimacy for the department. So what do you see as the biggest factor and the biggest thing that we need to do to build trust 
with the public first, shattered by the court-ordered release of the Laquan McDonough shooting video, and of course, more recently, with the death of George Floyd. What on the public side, how do we build trust? I think we do that through transparency. I think people are understandably inclined to distrust things that happen in literal or figurative windowless rooms. And so I think that transparency and rendering the problems and the processes and the challenges of the police department publicly visible is the road back. I think people recognize that there are challenges and they recognize that big problems don't get don't have small solutions or don't get fixed overnight. But I think that if we can ensure that the efforts that are underway to fix the problems of the police department are happening in the light of day, I think that goes a really long way. And on the police officer side, we have tremendous problems. We had one of the most troubling trends, police suicides. Two officers in a week, 11 since 2018. How do we build trust on their end when they feel so much under siege? Yeah, I, I think that's such an important and such a pressing question. I, I think members of the police department are entitled to, to work for a department that provides them with adequate guidance and support. And I think we are seeing ways in which they're not getting that. And I think that leaves officers feeling undermined and feeling left on their own. And I, I think that when combined with inadequate resources for officer wellness leads to very bad outcomes. And the bad outcomes can be suicides. The bad outcomes can be retirements, a wave of retirements. We've seen already a wave of retirements. Are we going to see more? I think those are, suicides are certainly the most heartbreaking of those outcomes. I certainly a loss of a loss of senior personnel who have institutional knowledge and experience that is that's a bad outcome as well i also think on a smaller scale people who are not provided with adequate guidance and support are unlikely to make their best decisions police officers are out in the course of doing their jobs out on the street every day making really high stakes decisions that have a huge impact on people and we owe it to everybody to ensure that they're making those decisions under the best circumstances possible so in what ways is the Chicago Police Department not serving its officers adequately? And what can they do to change that and to make them feel supported so they make the best decisions? I think, of course, there are, there are probably 13,000 different answers to that within the police department. But I think we have certainly, to take just by way of kind of one lens on this problem, the recent work we did looking at the police department and the city's response to the protests and unrest in the aftermath of the death of George Floyd, that was a situation where the frontline officers with whom we spoke felt as though they had inadequate and outdated training. They weren't getting clear direction from their supervisors. They were raising concerns and issues um, and things they were worried about up their chain and not getting a response from their leadership. So I think, for example, in that situation, all of those things came together, inadequate training, lack of equipment, no clear direction, gaps in policy, all of those things came together into a situation which could only have gone badly. Yeah, and they're not ready for the next time it happens either, are they? Have they made the changes that they need to make to prevent it from happening again? You talk about they were outflanked, unprepared, they were hung out to dry, they failed 
not only the public, but the rank and file officers who were left to improvise. It couldn't have been a more scathing report. Have they learned the lessons or are they subject to that happening yet again? I, I think that's very much a question on everybody's minds. I take the police department at its word for the time being that they have real changes underway. And it is in fact, the very recognition of that fact that you know that there are changes underway and policies that have been adjusted that led in part to our not issuing recommendations in that report, because we recognized that, that there were already some things that had changed. And we are now in the posture of keeping a watchful eye on those changes and hoping very much that they meet the needs which we saw exposed. But Mayor Lightfoot responded to the report by saying she retains 1,000% confidence in David Brown. Is that confidence misplaced? Did he, for example, make a mistake by making the kinds of changes that allowed so much of the senior leadership to walk out? And he's left, he's new, and then everybody under him is new as well. Yeah, the superintendent was certainly extremely new during the events at issue in that report. And I think it would be foolish to imagine that didn't have some impact on how things went. The fact of the matter is that running the Chicago Police Department is not a one-person job. There is a senior command, as you say. The superintendent was set up so that the superintendent is surrounded by a senior command. And new superintendent or otherwise, the nature of a police department is that it is a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week operation. It has to be ready and prepared to do its job all the time. That's part of what makes it so challenging. I, I, think, I think the measure of this superintendent will be how he meets the challenges of the moment and, and how he guides the department in growing from the challenges that it saw during those events. How's he doing so far? I think there are certainly efforts underway and we'll see. I, I, I think there are some things where for which it's a little bit too early to, to read the outcome. There have been substantial organizational changes in the department. Interim Superintendent Charlie Beck has affected a, a really substantial reorganization of the department, a, a sort of the most substantial revisioning of the organizational chart in the last, in, in sort of recent memory. There have continued to be changes under Superintendent and Brown they, to the organizational chart. And changes were undone, Bex. A lot of those changes that, have now been undone. Yes, I think that is largely true. I think that many of the Are recent changes under... Is that a mistake? I don't know yet. You sound like you have reservations about Brown. A lot of people do. They feel he has not been visible enough. We have major spikes in crime, homicides, carjackings, shootings, and we haven't seen much of him, really. Is well, that, I, how do you feel he's doing so far? He's been here since May or April or May. How's he doing? I, I think I take the superintendent at his word that he is conscious of the challenges he faces and he is taking measures to to meet them. He often says in his public comments that it is always the right time to do the right thing. I appreciate that perspective. I, I will see. I, I think, as I say, the, the measure of Superintendent Brown's time in the police department will be in how successfully he meets the enormous challenges of the moment. And what is most pressing concern that you would like to see him address immediately? I think, I think in terms of overarching concerns, I would go back to the notion of transparency. There are many problems to fix 
there is not one solution to all of them. But what I think what can be said of all of the police department's challenges is that the work that's being done to meet them must be done in the light of day. And on that front, how do you feel about him and Mayor Lightfoot coming out with their own search warrant reform that don't go nearly as far as the ones that were suggested by African-American female aldermen with the embrace of Anjanette Young, who is the woman who was left to stand naked and humiliated before male police officers as they raided the wrong home. Sure. I think the the issue of search warrants and wrong raids is obviously one that, that we have been a long time looking at and which one which we are you know very actively engaged in looking at we issued findings and recommendations to the police department at the end of last year they responded to those recommendations there were interim findings and urgent recommendations in light of you know the very pressing nature of these concerns and the very real harm that is coming to chicagoans as these things go badly so we issued those urgent recommendations the police department responded and adopted those recommendations. Those are interim findings and, and urgent recommendations are in fact are in fact reflected in the policy changes that the superintendent and the mayor announced. And I'm heartened by that. I think in my view, the changes they announced are an important down payment. They are absolutely not all that needs to be done. But I think it is an important down payment. Right. But do you favor the version that goes further, the one by the African-American female alderman. They say theirs is stronger in 17 different ways. Yeah, we, excuse me, we are still, we're still in the midst of our programmatic work on search warrants. And so I think we're not yet in a position to say more about other changes we would recommend or we would support, but I'm heartened to see some changes. Now your office is also investigating possible misconduct by employees of CPD, COPA, the law department, and the mayor's office. It's one of three being conducted into the raid. The others are by COPA and by judge, a former federal judge, Ann Claire Williams. On the day she announced her search warrant changes, Mayor Lightfoot once again really called out your office and said, I don't have any patience for people dragging their feet on investigations that need to get done. The inspector general went out publicly and said he was doing a top to bottom evaluation of wrong rates in July 19. We haven't heard a peep from him since we've been. Is that fair for her to say? I would say I obviously can't speak to what's on the mayor's mind, but I would say that as part of our of that top to bottom study of search warrant practices and policies that she men- mentioned, we issued interim findings and urgent recommendations in January, the police department, I'm sorry, we issued them in December. The police department responded to them agreeing in January. We published that report and the the very changes that were announced at that press conference were the adoption of our recommendations. We look forward to our all continuing to work together toward more progress. She's been under fire for her changing story about what she knew and when she knew it about this raid. She initially said she knew nothing about it until Channel 2 aired the video. And then after a search of her internal emails, it turns out that she was alluded to this in November 2019 and was so alarmed by it, she asked for a meeting with her top aides to discuss it that very day. She's admitted she lost public trust because of this. Does mm-hmm. she, has she regained any of that public trust? No, I don't know. I don't know if that's for us to say at this point. I think it's certainly true that the issue of wrong raids and concerns about CPD search warrant practices, I think, have been 
salient for a long time. So as the mayor noted, our office was in the press in the summer of 2019 committing to study these issues. Um, Mayor Lightfoot appeared in that very same newscast in the summer of 2019 talking about the issue of wrong rate search warrants. So I think we all, this is this is a really important issue. And as I said, big problems don't have small solutions. And so there are incremental steps to be taken here. And that's how I take the recent changes that were announced to the policies. Now, the police department with regard to the suicides talked about now adding clinicians. Now they have a new partnership with, with Alexa James of NAMI. They've actually mm-hmm. hired her. They have, they at one time had three con- clinicians. Now they have 13. Alderman Taliaferro, the Public Safety Committee chairman, has suggested a psychiatrist in each of the 22 districts. Has the department done enough about police suicides? I think done enough, certainly not. It's hard to know what enough would be to address a problem that is just in its human dimensions so very urgent to solve. I think I think your point about the number of clinicians is a very important one. The number that, that you referred to that there was for a time, there were three clinicians for the entire police department. I, re- I remember learning that fact for the first time and being a gap that could possibly be true. An increase of three to 13 clinicians, that's a big increase, and that's important progress. It, it seems unlikely to be true that 13 clinicians is enough for 13,000 members. So I think, have they done enough? I, no. As evidenced by the fact that we saw two suicides in a week, I, no, they haven't done enough. And should they have a psychologist or a psychiatrist in every district so that each district has someone to go to? Yeah, that's not a specific approach that we've studied. I think I do think that the department is probably best served by a kind of multifaceted approach to this problem, which includes better and more direct access to professionals. And so that might look like something more like that. There are also other sort of pieces of an officer wellness program, which have to do with peer support and kind of availability of other kinds of of resources. And we haven't looked at that solution, as I say, specifically, but I I can certainly imagine a multifaceted approach of which that is one component. As a candidate for mayor, Lori Lightfoot demanded that then-Mayor Rahm Emanuel empower a civilian oversight board to fire the police superintendent and establish police policy. She promised to deliver that commission within her first 100 days. Now she's approaching midterm yet to deliver. Last week, she said one of the most imp- this is one of the most important policy decisions that's going to be made in Chicago decades. It's going to recalibrate the relationship between the people and the police, and she's got to get it right. She's got to set it up for success, not failure. She's got questions about the structure of the governance the issue regarding policy and who makes the decisions has to be done in harmony with the police, and that's harder to do in practice than in theory. Is she blowing smoke and making excuses, or does she have a point, and is it time she get going? She certainly has a point that it's critically important to get it right. I think the notion of kind of citizen, citizen involvement in police policy and oversight is a hugely important one, and I think the an ideal model for police oversight and policymaking is one which has as inputs both lived experience of people in the community as well as technical and legal expertise of people who are familiar with the operational realities of law enforcement. And so I think 
building the right model is about calibrating those inputs and how you line those up next to each other. But who should have the final say on police policy? And should this civilian oversight board have the ability to take a vote of no confidence superintendent that would trigger a city council vote and the firing of the superintendent if it's two thirds of the aldermen agree? You know, I, I think we're all challenged by not having a specific a specific proposal to talk from. So, I well, we have with two. respect to the specific we have two, and they're, they both yeah, not have the final say lying with the civilian board, and the mayor is balked at that. Yes, sorry to have misspoken. I, I'm I, the mayor adverted to a third proposal that will be coming from her office that that we haven't seen, and so I think. You know, it, it'll be easier to look at and think about a range of options when all of those options are on the table. So I, we'll see what that looks like. Well, but my question to you is, do you side with the groups that say they need to have the final say on policy? They need to be able to take a no confidence vote that could set the stage for the firing of the superintendent if the aldermen agree. Do you agree with them? I don't. I'm not, I don't think we're in a position to take it, to take a side on that. I would say that we will have oversight over some of these systems when they're in place, and so I, I we'll we'll see what they look like. But I think I, I it is that sort of calibration of community input and legal and operational expertise that that I am most concerned about. Were you troubled by the mayor's decision to spend two hundred eighty-one million dollars in federal stimulus funds on police payroll and overtime? I think we certainly, our office has certainly looked at issues of of overtime in the past and lack of appropriate controls on overtime. In fact, I think overtime expenses were a relatively small percentage of that expenditure on the police department. That, from my perspective, is a transparency question of the kind that we've been talking about. I think I think there were some important questions raised about how exactly those dollars that went to the police department got spent on COVID efforts. That's exactly the windowless room which troubles people. I think I don't have any reason to think that anything improper happened with that spending, but I certainly think that the public is entitled to some clarity about where those dollars went and how they were spent within the police department. And in fact, Alderman Ed Burke really poked holes in their explanation and said you went, you made wellness checks. It would amount to so much, a huge percentage of the patrol budget for the entire year. He made it sound like it was completely a bogus effort to try to pawn off on the federal government expenses that the routine expenses. Sure. I think, did you, I think those did questions you are those concerns. I, I, to the extent that those concerns are about a lack of transparency, I, yes, as I say, I, I don't have, I haven't seen any indication that anything, there was anything improper about the way that money was spent. But I absolutely think that this is a matter of public transparency. And I think that we would all be well served by some more publicly available information about where the dollars went. Is there still a code of silence? in the Chicago Police Department, as Rahm Emanuel famously admitted after the Laquan McDonald shooting video was released? I think there continue to be huge challenges of institutional culture within the police department. And I think that is among them. We certainly see examples of people in the department raising concerns and making misconduct reports. And I think that is enormously encouraging. And I think that is truly a sign of change to come. But there are enormous cultural challenges that remain. And so there still is a code of silence. We saw it in the uh, drunken driving incident that got Eddie Johnson fired, didn't we? 
They escorted him home. They gave him a pass. They didn't ticket him for his traffic violations. They let him drive home when he was clearly impaired. I think without going into that incident specifically, I think I... We absolutely still see signs of of that sort of silence. I, I, that is, the police misconduct and police accountability cannot be reduced to the sort of bad apples analysis. There are bad actors and there are people who break the rules, but the problems are bigger than that. And it has everything to do with how the institution deals with those deals with those situations. That continues to be a problem of institutional culture. And then there is the painfully slow progress toward meeting the mandates of a federal consent decree. Lightfoot said last week that it's one thing to check the boxes on court mandates. It's quite another for outsiders to try and change the hearts and mind culture of an entrenched institution that's pretty comfortable with its own culture. Do you buy that explanation? And is it time that she get moving on something that the last two reports show 70% of the deadlines were not met? I think everyone would be well served by an accelerated compliance timeline with the consent decree. The, the consent decree is a really powerful document, and it, it's an important roadmap for reform. It, it is also, it says what it says, and it doesn't say what it doesn't say. And it is simultaneously important that the city be intentional and expedient about meeting its mandates, while also meeting sort of the rest of its reform obligations. Your boss, Joe Ferguson, was concerned about how things are going when he testified before the budget hearings. He said, we're three years gone and we don't have the pieces in place yet. We don't have the pieces in place. The community piece is missing and there are mayoral aides who, who are no longer there. And it's like flying a plane, trying to fix an airplane while it's in the air. The right hand doesn't yes. know what the left hand is doing. Have we? Is yes. it still in place? And, and what needs to be done to change that? I think some of the points that, that Joe raised last fall continue to be important ones. The city is without a chief risk officer. The city is without a deputy mayor for public safety. And among the, and, and has been for you know many months at this point, many of the organizational changes within the police department have impacted the structure of the reform apparatus, the structure of the the internal components of the police department responsible for the reform work, all of that is a challenge. The Office of Public Safety Administration has continues to be in a formative and planning state. We got to get going. Yeah, and then of course the civilian police review doesn't exist either. So is right. it any wonder that we're so far behind? I think there are some salient challenges. And then you have the issue of Joe Ferguson and his future. His term is going to expire this year. The mayor has hinted very strongly that he will not be reappointed. She says he's been in office for a really long time, and she doesn't believe people should stay in office indefinitely. It's not good for them, and it's not good for the organization they lead. So are you concerned that we'll have yet another vacancy, and the person who's been here all this time who knows all of this and has been the bird dog, the person who's been pushing and has the guts to do that. I, I'm really proud of the work this office has done during Joe's tenure. I, his and my terms run until October. There's plenty of work to do, and we're going to just keep doing the work. But you're talking about a mayor who made her bones on police reform. She, granted, she was elected because of the Ed Burke scandal, the political corruption scandal. But 
before that, she was the police board president. She was the co-chair of the task force on police accountability. And yet she has not delivered on some of this major stuff that she promised and she ran on. Are you surprised by that? And you're disappointed in her performance, given her background? There's a great deal more work to be done. And I, I look forward to all of these various pieces of city government working together to do it. I think okay. Mayor Lightfoot's background certainly positions her to recognize the importance of the police reform effort. All right, Deborah Witzberg, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll be watching as you continue to ride herd over the police department. Uh, certainly there is a lot of work to do. Thanks so much. And we'll see you all next week.